0: Today, we're going to hear from Helium 10's CTO Boyan, who's going to tell us everything that we wanted to know that goes into sales estimation tools such as that Helium 10's X Ray Chrome extension has. We're also going to find out what upcoming features we have in store for follow up. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Serious Sellers Podcast. Now, this is our third edition of Tech Talk. With Boyan, Boyan is our CTO here at Helium 10, and he always brings us some great insight from the development side. And today, I definitely wanted to talk about something that's been on my mind. I actually just did an AMA about it. It's about sales estimates. You know, a lot of different tools are out there, including Helium 10, that gives sales estimates as far as you know what sellers are doing on Amazon. And I think there's a mind shift, Boyan. You know, you and I have talked about this. That kind of needs to happen. And it goes back to one of your things that you've always tried to teach people in, in different aspects is ask yourselves why or what is your goal? You know, what are you trying to do? And a lot of times the questions that people are making is going to change if they have this mindset difference or to shift, right? So can you talk about that a little bit? First of all, you know, we see people coming out with different tools. They're coming out with different case studies, you know, for example, saying, oh, XX tool is XX% accurate. Now, Now, here's Helium 10. Is this accurate? Now, you know, we've had x-ray for quite a while, but Helium 10, as far as I know, has never come out with some kind of, Case study or, or some kind of comparison chart with other tools as far as accuracy of sales estimates. Now, why is that?
1: Other tools are, uh, and people look at the problem space and and, and it can be deceptively uh, simple. So, making that the sales estimate is essentially attached to bestseller rank, BSR number. Uh, since BSR number is, is exposed by Amazon, when you look at the BSR, when you look at your own sales in relation to that BSR you feel as a as, as seller, you might feel that it's, it's relatively easy to make that estimate, like how BSR translates to a number of sales. So BSR number is exposed. And, and if you look into it, uh, it, it the way Amazon uh, calculates BSR is documented publicly. It's not, it's not on Amazon.com, but if, if, if you know where to look, you can, you, can see, uh, you can find more details about how BSR is, is calculated. So on the surface, it, it sounds like a trivial problem, and, and now more people are getting into, into data analysis and, and uh, data science and the statistical methods are getting more evolved and the computational power is is, is cheaper. So, so it seems like something that's that's really easy to achieve and, and it can be very deceptive. You look at your numbers, you look at PSR, you say, okay, it's so easy, I'll, I'm going to build a model that, that's very successful and, and has a high accuracy. The problem with sales estimation is not the model. The model that the science around that is, is pretty subtle. So so that's the trivial part. The tricky part is is actually defining that problem space and, and recognizing what needs to be estimated. So so let's say you have two products that it's, it's fairly stable, BSR, and you know sales for for those two products. You you look at third product that, that sits somewhere between the, the two that that you're familiar with. And, and BSR of that product is, is, is right there. So you say, okay, these guys are, are selling this much. The problem is that, that BSR is, is not published, the history of BSR is not published by Amazon. So unless you have access to that historical data, you, you won't be able to make that accurate estimation. And on top of that, even if you do have access to historical data, some products will, will change categories, some products will be merged, some products will There'll be changes on, on the Amazon side and the marketplace size that that will make your history inaccurate. And that's where the, the estimation kind of falls apart. So if you look at the entire marketplace and you, you try to, to make that estimation, you're more likely to fail than to succeed on, on most of the products. So what we did, we focused on products that are relevant for our user base. So, so Apple is unfortunately not our customer at the moment so so making accurate estimation on on uh, products that are in top 10 or top 20 best sellers for a specific category like electronics it would be nice but it doesn't really bring any value for our customers so what we focus on is is space between let's say bsr 1000 and and two 300000 that's where most of the successful helium 10 customers reside if if your product is is, is not in top 200000 you're likely not making uh, more than a sale or two a day. So to run internally, we do run a tests going all the way back to your question, like why don't we publish uh, any any studies? I can publish study today. I can run a study and I can make Helium 10 most successful tool out there. Obviously, I can do the same thing with five or six or 10 competitors. Publishing a study is, is a trivial task. And, and internally, we we have... Obviously, we, we look at our competitors, we have uh, friends and family, we have some uh, accounts and some customers that are, that are helping us validate our model. So we don't, that, that's another important point. We don't use customer
0: data to build our model. So, so, so that means we have tons of users here at Helium 10, but it's not like we're going into everybody's seller central account and checking what their sales are in order to build our model. That's pretty much what you're saying. You know, we're not doing that, right? Correct. That would, be,
1: that would not be compliant with the, the intended uh, uh, use of, of that Amazon data. And, and we don't really need that kind of data. We would have to build our model on on, on subset of, of our customer data, and then we, we wouldn't be able to validate the model, essentially. Uh, plus, it doesn't really scale because uh, you, you need to build a new model for each category, for each marketplace. So if a new mar- marketplace comes up, if, if uh, all of a sudden you decide to, to run an estimation for, for baby category in Italy, we would need customers who are, who are sellers who are successful sellers in, in Italy in baby category, and they would have to have decent spread in those sales. So, so it's just not realistic to, to do that, again, unless you're Amazon. So instead we build different statistical models and, and we do use our our customers who are participating in the program to validate our results. So those those internal tests are are performed daily and, and there are scoreboards that, that are showing our results. And and at this point we're fairly comfortable. I'm fairly comfortable with what we have. If I do spend time to create a study and publish that study, I'm essentially wasting my time and, and the reader's time. Obviously, I will not publish a study that, that shows somebody else's tool performing uh, better than my tool. So sure, just let's pretend that the study is already out there and, and there's a study and, and we did the study and published it and, and we're the most successful and amazing tool. It's
0: just as valuable as no study. I've been working guys with Boyan for a while, so I can pick up on his dry humor. Hope you guys basically understood that point though, in case you guys didn't pick up on it. Rewind it 15 seconds if you didn't. But basically, what he's saying is like, you know, no other tool is going to go print some extensive study that shows that their competitors are more, you know, performing better than, than their tool. But it very well, you know, could be the case. So let's just pretend that, you know, we did make some kind of study like that well, what does that even mean? It doesn't mean anything because everybody knows helium 10 is not going to produce some study that's going to show, you know, helium 10, you know, coming in second or third or fourth place on, on accuracy. So like, what's the point? Everybody knows that any study that somebody's going to put on sales estimations, they're going to be right there at the top. But, but again, that being said, where does accuracy play a role in the usage on? You know, because we're not just going to say, Hey, yeah, you know, we're just going to throw any number as an estimate. You know, these are just estimates. So who cares? I don't want to say that accuracy is not important. Of course, it is important because you know, like for example, if the actual sales are fifty, you don't want to be in a tool that says it's one thousand because yeah, you're going to make different decisions based on that. So, is there actually a line that you guys on the development team have as a goal as far as what you try and keep? You know, I'm sure I'm sure you guys or the team test things internally. I'm sure every now and then you you may. You know, have mentioned there's some friends and family that, that show the information so that we can validate the data. But do you guys have a target that you work with as far as how accurate you want Helium 10 numbers to be? So so in in data science, like you don't want to. It's called overfitting.
1: So so you you're training your model on on some sample. Let's say you have hundred results, and, and you're training your model on on those hundred results, hundred estimates, hundred actual data. This is sales data points. You don't want your model to be 100% accurate on that data because that usually leads to greater error for, for when, when you build your model. So instead, you're trying to build a model that, that's relatively flat, relatively predictable, and you're trying to minimize the error without overfitting. So on, on one, one end, uh, I, I mentioned uh, not very successful uh, products in the marketplace. So if you have a product that sells uh, between zero and one units a day, our model w- could say, okay, the, the likelihood is, is 60% that this uh, product sold one unit. So let's say it's, so it's 0.6 units a day. We can round it up and say, okay, this product sold one unit on that day, or we can say now they sold zero. So, so that in, in terms of percentage, that, that uh, margin of error is large. In terms of unit sales, uh, that, that's uh, fairly insignificant. So when you look at the products like that, do they sell 10 a month or, or 25 a month? It's not really the relevant because that's not what you're trying to emulate. You're trying to find successful product, but not also not products that sell 100,000 units a day because you're not, as private label seller, you're not very likely to to find that opportunity uh, and, and build it to, to 100,000 units a day. So so we focus on on that, that part of the markets where, where products are selling, let's say, between five and a few hundred units a day. And then we try to minimize average error. So if, if you look at, uh, if you look at the ranges outside our, our target, you will likely find larger error in our tools than some other tools. That the thing is that we're doing that intentionally because we're trying to, to reduce the error on that, that middle segment that, that caters to our customers. Also, in some cases, you will want to look at specific product, but most of the time, as when you're doing products research you're looking at, at niche you're, you're looking at a segment of products like collection of products and then you're trying to analyze the average sales or, or average reviews or some, some kind of uh, aggregated number so we are not by design we are not trying to to make our prediction hundred percent accurate on on specific data set so that's not the way you're using the tool. Like the one way where you might want to use the tool to, to estimate specific sales for a specific product is if you have one, one competitor that's, uh, that's outperforming you. So you want to see how much effort, like how much, how, how, big the investment you want to make to, to match that competitor. Maybe you want to spend more on, on, on PPC or some other form of advertising. So if they're if they're selling more than you are selling, and and you 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 you're trying to to evaluate if it makes sense to to go head 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 on and try to beat them, that might be a use case where you want to to look at specific product as a sales. But again, if you if you have a competitor like that, that that probably means that it's pretty stable product with with uh, not much uh, oscillations in BSR, and that also means that that our model will be very accurate for that use case. So. Barely, you're looking for a specific product, and if you are looking for a specific product, not out of curiosity, but uh, out of uh, business necessity, our, our tool is is very likely to give you a very accurate estimate.
0: Okay, so basically in a nutshell, what you're saying is, you know, we know what our, our users are searching for. We have a lot of history on that and you know what spaces they're looking at. And for those, it's usually very highly accurate. Now, that the times you might see Helium 10's number might be off by a... Larger percentage, maybe for example, there's a product that only sells 0.5 units a day, but maybe Helium 10 is saying two a day or something like that. So technically that's, you know, 200, 300% off or whatever that is. Right. But again, in that situation, our users are not really searching for products, whether they're doing product research, not really searching for products or niches where they're only selling half of a unit. A day, so who cares? But on the flip side, you, you talk about you know Apple iPhone or or some Bluetooth wireless headphone. Maybe you know an X Ray and Helium Ten is saying it's selling one point five million dollars a month, but actually, who knows? Could be one million. So oh my goodness, five hundred thousand dollars different. But the same token, it's not something that our users use or the vast majority of our users are trying to break into that exact category and be selling something that's going to scale to you know one and a half million dollars right off the bat. So but basically by by focusing on the great majority of the use cases it actually allows us to be more accurate for our users is that pretty much the case that that's correct
1: and 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 we're not trying to to think for our customers so we're just building a tool that that that's supposed to provide another data point to to uh, amazon sellers and and not just amazon sellers but users still have to apply common sense. It's kind of like a weather forecasting. So the forecast might, might say that there's a 30% chance, chance of rain tomorrow. You do want to look through the window and, and, and figure out if you need to, to take the umbrella with you or not. So, so in, in some cases, we, we, are, we are providing estimates uh, and, and those estimates should be validated, especially in, in uh, extreme circumstances. If, if, uh, if a customer sees that something is, is uh, unrealistic... It's probably data that that's coming uh, out of various sources that are, that are making that estimate look uh, unrealistic. And again, we're validating our performance against uh, our competitors and against actual marketplace results for targeted population. So we're, uh, we're internally, we're not looking at, at Amazon bestsellers, like we are not looking at Amazon Echo. Or, or iPhones, but we are looking at, at population that, that we actually want to, to help. We are also validated by uh, users who are, who are using our tools in various ways. I, I, I keep hearing about new use cases almost every, every day there are people who are not even selling on amazon who are using our tools to to validate uh, market demand on amazon and then use that to source products for for different marketplaces so that popular demand for our tools is actually validation of of quality of the tool also putting some some pressure on our back end so so there's a lot of attempted abuse uh, of our platform. So it, it's causing some issues for me on the back end, but it's also validating success of our, our models. So I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with where we are with that right now. Obviously, we, we do have people looking at it and, and we're, we're measuring and we're constantly trying to improve. So, so I'm not saying, hey, this is the best it can be done. There's always something that can be done. And, and since the marketplace is changing, you want to stay vi- vigilant. So so we do have people looking at that data and trying to build more sophisticated model. we try- on, on models. We are working on forecasting models. We're working on various things around this space. So, so there'll be more and there's more that we can do. But uh, the actual sales estimation, that look back, requires a lot of data that we do have
0: and requires a sophisticated model that we did build. So. Okay, now you mentioned that the increasing popularity of Helium 10, and there's actually, because of this, there's been some abuse of the tools. Now, what are some steps that the team has taken to help alleviate the risk of some of that on our side?
1: Right. So, so recently we had to do the requirement for, for MWS token for one of our tools, Keyword Tracker it was not very popular move and and we debated that internally but it was essentially a requirement so so we're trying to to cater to to mostly private label sellers but in general amazon sellers and professional amazon sellers so i mentioned that we have customers who are not amazon sellers and and those customers are generating some some load on on our platform which is fine there are customers who are trying to abuse our platform, which is is not as as fine. So so we're forced to 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 introduce these kinds of constraints and requirements to make sure that we are catering to to our user base, to the main target population, which is again professional Amazon sellers. So if you're not professional Amazon seller. We have tools and we have uh, programs and training programs that are designed uh, to help you get to the status where where it makes sense uh, for you to to register as professional Amazon sellers. What, what's like forty dollars a month, which is not insignificant, but in in the grand scheme of things, that that's the, the the amount of of data that Amazon provides and and additional services that you get access to with with that status justifies the investment. So so. Moving forward, we might have to do a similar thing for some of the other tools, mostly for for that abuse uh, prevention reasons. In case of Keyword Tracker, we did not really we we did not require customers to to uh, select products from their catalog. So you can, if your Keyword track if you're using Keyword Tracker, you can still do that uh, if you want for whatever reason track performance of your competitor, whatever that might be. You can still do it, but you have to authenticate uh, as a professional seller and, and that authenticates you as a unique customer to, to Helium 10. So.
0: Okay, so the companies who are like agencies or consultants, maybe they don't sell on Amazon themselves. You know, Helium 10 customers who fall under those categories. Perhaps they just manage keyword research or, or keyword tracking for their clients. Now, they still can use our tool. It's not like they have to be actual sellers on Amazon actively. They just have to have a professional account with Amazon, but they can go ahead and add any products to Keyword Tracker, whether it's on their account or not, correct? Correct. Yeah, okay. that's that's right. Okay, so now we have a few more minutes here. So it's been a couple months since we rolled out the follow-up tool for email automation. Now, we usually you know, at Helium 10, we don't talk about what's imminent or what's kind of in store as far as new features or new tools. But I know you've already talked about this on Facebook and customer services also mentioned this to our customers. So it's okay to mention one thing that we are going to add soon is the use of images. You know, users will be able to input their own image. And I believe the reason why we're implementing this is because that was probably one of the most or the number one thing that was asked for by our customers. Now, is there anything else that you can talk about at this time, as far as, you know, for our follow-up users, our current ones or the ones who are considering using it, is there anything that is also imminent that we are going to be rolling out soon as far as a feature in the, in the coming weeks? So yes, that, that was a, I, I believe number 1 request
1: and we intentionally at the least follow up with, with not not all of the features uh, fully functional in order to 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 give our customers and and uh, especially our, our paying customers a uh, a chance to to influence development and, and roadmap of that tool so we did that by by asking questions by, during design phase but also in this initial rollout phase the ability to insert custom image and ability to add Custom attachment. Those are the two updates that we'll be rolling out this week. The request that comes comes often is is ability to email to target existing customers with with uh, email marketing, and and we're looking at that. There there are two issues with with ability to to, to that feature that will allow you to to email your existing customers. One is that data exposed by Amazon is supposed to be used for uh, order fulfillment and and not retained past uh, 30 days the other issue is that Amazon limits the number of messages that you can send so so there's a, a pretty hard limit in number of messages that you can send uh, per day to the Amazon platform. So we're trying to find a way to to uh, address that customer request without causing any issues and 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 getting Amazon to to suspend account for for abuse. The, that issue of of Amazon enforcement and and especially privacy concerns is often overlooked by tools in this marketplace. But there's a real Risk of of uh, getting customer account uh, suspended by not following the the rules and 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 uh, guidelines exposed by Amazon. So yes, image uh, and and attachment, uh, those two things are coming. Uh, PDF attachment. So it's it's documented, and we will we will update our our uh, FAQ as well. But there are a few uh, file types that you can use to to attach that you can attach to to your message. So we will add support for that in the next few days, and we plan to open it up to to our free customers or not paying customers in the next several weeks. So there's more there's more to come. The roadmap. Again, our Elite and Diamond and Platinum customers put a lot of items on our roadmap, but it's uh, it's open-ended. So uh, any any feedback, any suggestions are are welcome. There's no guarantee that we will fulfill those uh, requests.
0: Yeah. You know, there's for example, a lot of people who ask us, hey, for a review, can you let us know who is, you know, which order that this review came from? You know, we get requests like that, but just because it's asked for a lot doesn't mean we would actually do it because it's actually... That would be something that could potentially hurt our customers, uh, put our customers' account in jeopardy if they're going out trying to find who is the one who left them reviews, right? Correct, and and uh, that might be a topic like that the
1: abuse and risk and and awareness in that space uh, might be a topic for next month yeah. uh, for us because we we looked at at some of the requests and and we we decided not to do certain things in order to avoid jeopardizing our, our customers' accounts. Hopefully th- th- I mean, th- there are things that Amazon is doing to, to, uh, p- Strengthen the enforcement and and uh, uh, enhance the, those like privacy uh, safeguards that they have, and that's that's welcome. I mean, most of us are Amazon customers as as buyers as well, not just sellers or, or tool providers. So as as a buyer, you would not want your your personal information uh, used by by third party sellers to call you at night or, or send endless uh, stream of emails asking you for feedback or to change. Uh, whatever you, whatever review left. So, so when you look at that, like try, try to think about it as, as Amazon buyer, like as, as a customer buying on marketplace that's perceived as, as safe and secure, what are you willing to, to accept? So,
0: okay. So one last question, you like myself, we're pretty much native San Diegans now, but you actually originally hail from Serbia. So I'm a big basketball fan. You're a big basketball fan. I would like to know who are your top three Serbian basketball players in history? Because for, you know, for those who don't know, Serbia has one of the richest histories as far as basketball goes outside of the USA in the world. So who are your top three Serbian basketball players of all time? So mm-hmm. Blada Divas, Dejan Bodoroga. Bodorogo, which NBA team did he play for? I don't remember him.
1: I'm not sure if he ever came to the US, but he was like, they called him White Magic. Just kind of racist, <laughs> but uh, uh, he was really creative
0: player. Ah, yes, I think I know who you're talking about. Now you have a uh, Jokic in in Denver. Oh, I didn't even know he was a Serbian. That's the uh, Joker, right? Yes. Wow. So,
1: so those three guys will will leave a mark. There are a few other players that that kind of have big personality that I like. You had uh, Sasha Djokovic used to be used to play in US and mm-hmm. and Peja Stojakovic. Yeah. So there are players that, that I like. There are players from that. that part of the world that that left some mark maybe even bigger mark but these three
0: that i like yeah okay but biggest personality right now as far as serbian basketball players has got to be Boban marjanovic right i mean i'm I'm gonna have to say he's the most (laughs) interesting personality out there right now he's he's the yeah he's a fun guy All right. So uh, thanks, Boyan, you know, for your time here. Actually, uh, anybody listening who is going to the upcoming SellerCon conference, you guys are going to be able to talk to Boyan about basketball or anything on the technical side as well. He's going to be at our social event and walking around the conference. So please look for a you know, good looking Serbian guy in a Helium 10 T-shirt. And it might not be Boyan, though. Yeah, I'll be right next to that guy. (laughs) He'll be right next to that. But anyways, Boyan, thank you as always for coming on here. And we'll be in high expectation of next month's Tech Talk with Boyan.